Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. a snippet from a new group called BPMD and their cover of the song Evil, a blues standard originally written by Willie Dixon, but this is a cover taken from the Cactus version and it's it's from BPMD's new album of covers called American Made. Hi, this is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine. This is the Goldmine Podcast. Welcome back to listening. And BPMD is a supergroup of hard rock icons in the music industry. Bobby Blitz is a vocalist from Overkill. Portnoy is the drummer of Winery Dog, Sons of Apollo, and ex-Dream Theater drummer. Bassist Mark Mengi is from Metal Allegiance. And guitarist Phil Demel is from Violence and Ex-Machine Head. And each member picked out several tracks from American rock music centered in the 70s, classic rock. There's a cover of ZZ Top, Beer Drinkers, and Hellraisers off their 1973 Trace Ombres album. James Gang, a very underrated band with Joe Walsh. The song Walk Away off of the 1971 Thirds album. Mountain, Leslie West Band. Uh, Never in My Life off of their 1970 climbing album. And check out this. This is a sample from that mountain track. A little pumped up hard rock style.
cool cover. There's also Grand Funk Railroad, we're an American band, off the 1970 album, 1973 album of the same name. Ted Nugent, Wang Dang Sweet Putang, that crazy song from 1977 off the Cat Scratch Fever album. Van Halen, DOA, from their 1979 Van Halen 2 album. And, and speaking of Van Halen, uh, BPMD does a group shot on the back of their album, and it's uh, the pose that Van Halen does for Women and Children First. It's a great, it's a lot of fun how they posed just like Van Halen did back then. Uh, to continue what's on the BPMD uh, album is Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic, off of the 1975 album, the same name. Leonard Skinner, Saturday Night Special, off the 1975 Nothing Fancy album. And possibly my favorite of all tracks on the BPMD covers of the album American Made is Blue Oyster Cult's Tattoo Vampire, which was originally off the 1976 Agents of Fortune album. Take a listen. That's a damn good cover. Uh, BPMD, uh, we're supposed to play some shows, uh, which would have been a lot of fun. But obviously, COVID-19 took care of that possibility. But they hope to play shows soon. Um, they all have responsibility to the full-time bands that they are in. But as Bobby Blitz, the singer, put it uh, to me on a phone call recently, it's about it's all about fun, which I've been saying how much fun this album was to listen to, especially during quarantine. I didn't know what to expect, and uh, I just uh, had a lot of pleasure listening to it. Uh, of course, I grew up in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, and listened to a lot of this, uh, a lot of the classic rock they covered. Um, and I really respect that they did covers from uh, James Gang and also Mountain, because I never feel that those groups get enough attention. Um now, they, the making of the album, to, according to Blitz, uh, took them all back to their roots. And even their pre-roots, you know, stuff I, you know, stuff that their siblings or even parents listened to. And it was a way for them to express their influences, how this music influenced them in an energetic way. And like uh, Blitz said, also a fun way. Um, 
And I think a lot of rock fans, they don't have to be hard rock fans or heavy metal fans, uh, will find this a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun to listen to because it uh, adds some juice to the the original songs. And, and uh, like all good cover songs, they sound a little different and this band puts their own spin on them. Now, bassist Mark Menge is a, a vinyl record collector too. Uh, like most of us who read Goldmine, uh, he kept his albums from childhood, didn't trade them in for CDs during the 90s. And he's going to share his passion of vinyl with us and give Goldmine the 10 albums that changed his life. One of uh, Goldmine's most popular columns in its print edition, 10 Albums That Changed My Life, that runs every month. And Mark is going to do it for us on the podcast. But first, uh, let me give a, a little sponsor ad mention to Cleveland International Records. If you go to Cleveland International Records online, you can get 10% off at checkout if you put in the name Goldmine at checkout in their promo box. And you'll get 10% off records and merchandise. And one of the records that you can get is the recent reissue of the Iron City House Rockers. You can get that 10% off. Just put in at checkout gold mine okay let's talk to mark how are you doing so one thing i wanted to um talk about is american made what centered on a specific era and kind of a genre classic rock of the 70s i wondered if your top 10 albums if any of these albums or songs that you picked uh, from albums would be part of your 10 albums. One album is. Yeah. Can I guess which one? Take a guess. Is it is it Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic? Nope. No? Uh, ZZ Top, Trey Sombres. Ah, okay. That's a good one. ZZ Top, ZZ Top is, uh, I don't know why, they're not as... They were big in the 80s, obviously big in the 70s, but cooled down recently, and I, I don't know what the reason is. And that's the reason why I like that. Another reason I like that you guys put out this album is because you're turning a new generation onto great music. They may be into the stuff you guys are doing, right? But they might not know about this all this great 70s rock. Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. Um, we've been doing a lot of press and yes. um a lot of european press right and a lot of the european uh journalists that we're speaking with never even heard of the james gang never heard never heard of cactus never even heard of mountain that blows um, my mind it, it's unbelievable so i'm hoping that you know we're, we're gonna hope, hopefully expose people to some of this music for the first time and hopefully they dig into those catalogs when you, you know um which, when you spoke to them, did they know about, like, say, Joe Walsh or Leslie West? They, they knew of Joe Walsh and the Eagles, yeah, but they never, they didn't know Joe Walsh had a band called even Barnstorm, Barnstorm or or James Gang, which wow. was, uh, you know, they they know Joe Walsh as the solo artist, um, you know, Rocky Mountain Way and things like that, and obviously the Eagles, but never, you know, not the James Gang, which was shocking. That is shocking because usually that leads a path right to the James gang. And yeah, I had, when I grew up, 
James Gang, you know, wasn't as as popular as say, you know, all the big classic rock bands, but they were still known. And I would think what vinyl becoming popular again, people would see it in the you know, in the racks and the bins. You know, it's funny. I bought James Gang the third, uh, the third, the name of the record is Thirds, as you know. Yeah. That LP, yeah. I actually bought that in England. <laughs> That's, yeah. Out of all places. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, they, they were out there. Just, you know, I, it's exposure. So, what we'll do here is maybe you could tell each album uh, that you pick, the 10 albums, each one, and then get, just give a brief description. Sure, uh, sure, sure. So, obviously, um, and this is in no order, no particular right. order. Um, Trace Ombres from ZZ Top. That album was my, in, that, that introduced me into Southern Rock, if you want to call it Southern Rock, more of uh, the twang style music, uh, you know, and, and LaGrange in particular, hearing that for the first time. I remember as a kid, um, my kids do it now with the whole, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, that, that Billy Gibbons, you know, vocal grunt. You know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you want to go to that home out on the range. They got a lot of nice girls. drums are you know with the, the stick on the on the rim of the on the snare drum and that song opened it up and then obviously waiting for a bus uh, yeah, the record you know beer drinkers and Hellraisers, which is a song we cover um which is on that and uh jesus left chicago i mean it, it's just the, the record just caught me and it caught my attention span to um to really dive deep into not only zz tops catalog but a lot of uh, texas blues and texas music now all of these albums that you picked, first of all, do you still have them on vinyl? Oh yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. that's I good. Have all my original original copies. Did you did you uh, did you go through a period where a lot of people I know during the nineties they traded in their vinyl for CDs, but nope, I I ended nope, up nope, keeping nope, all mine. Nope. Yeah, I never went that phase. Um, I've I mean. From day one, I've been buying vinyl. That's <laughs> you know, great. I never, to me, it always sounded better, you know. Yeah. And as we go on, and I'll explain what I used to do when playing, especially bass and whatnot. Um, I used to listen to vinyl and, and practice my instrument. That's mm. how I, you know, that's how we did it. Yes. Uh, it was either the cassette, CD, or vinyl, one mm -hmm. or the other. And nine out of ten, out of ten times, it was vinyl that I would listen to because you could really sit. What I would, and I still do this today. I have my amp set right next to my record player. You put the record on, you drop the needle for the song you want to learn. If you screw it up, you can just pick up the needle and go back very easily. Right. Rather than fast forward, rewind, or, or this, that, and the other thing. And I still do that today. 
So another one um, from that era, which um, across the pond, which came out a few years prior to that, is Abbey Road, Beatles, Abbey Road. Um, to me, that is the perfect record. Um, top to bottom, side A, side B, production, musicianship, just everything, everything about that record is perfect. To me, it's the, it is the most flawless record ever created. I agree. And, um, and I and I listen to that record top to bottom. I mean, I've listened to it so many times and I have probably five different versions of that on vinyl. <laughs> uh, that's, pro- that's probably the one record I have and probably the most variations is Abbey Road. And Portnoy's uh, former band Dream Theater used to, uh, I know he's a huge Beatles fan and if, if it weren't, if it expanded, uh, if American made the album expanded past the seventies, he probably would have chosen Beatles songs. But um, they used to do um, the medley uh, that's on uh, Abbey Road. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've actually saw, you know him and it was it Neil Morse, Paul Gilbert, uh, and I forgot who played bass. They had the yellow uh, the Beatles tribute band that they yes. did, and I watched them in New York City. Yep. Uh, perform a lot of the songs from abbey road and it was awesome you know mike you know he does he, he's a beetle freak yes know? i consider myself a beetle freak too and uh i would have picked i, I would have picked the white album mm-hmm. but when i think of influential which you know the, the record that really made me think as a musician it's abbey road especially when you go into lyrical content and production it, mm-hmm. it was just the things they did on that record were just it's mind-blowing i agree uh, we'll skip across the uh, we'll skip across the pond, and uh, we're gonna go to probably 15 years later, maybe. Is and it was a toss up, um, and this is a twofold: uh, Iron Maiden Killers mm-hmm. and Iron Maiden Live After Death. Oh. You know, Killers was the first Maiden record I got, and hearing the song title track Killers is one of the reasons why I play bass. And um, but on the flip side of things, I would lock myself in my room as a kid and learn live after death. I would literally lock myself away for about eight months. I didn't go out. I didn't leave the house <laughs> until I learned that record in in its entirety. Why? Um, and obviously, live after death is a live concert from the Long Beach Coliseum in California, and I uh, believe that was released in '85 or so. Um, but to me, that was the record that really really made me hone in on my craft of playing bass. It, it taught me um, how to use my ear as a musician, that record, uh, to really pick up the nuances of Steve Harris and what he was doing. And that was the one record that I probably, um, that and another record that's on this list, which I'll name that in a few, but that really got me tuned in to timing, uh, using my ear and, and whatnot. So I would say Live After Death, just a, a hair over killers, just because it was the record that I really walked in to learn everything on it. Now, did Steve Harris also influence, I know you don't use a pick, right? You use your fingers to play bass. Um, did he influence that as well? Yeah. He, um, yeah, all, my three main influences, Keith Butler, Steve Harris, and Cliff Burton um, yeah. for bass. And, and James Jamerson, too, um, when we talk with Motown. So those four guys, you know, they didn't use a pick. And um, hence, I didn't use a pick. Right. I think it's just, um, well, it's a personal preference, but I like that 
that sound of not using a pick that uh you can hear it in Steve Harris's sound for sure um yeah when you listen to his amps man he is he is loud yes <laughs> he is turned away he is turned way up his bass weighs about 3000 pounds and the tone is in his hand. That dude attacks the bass like no other. I mean, he attacks it. And that, God forbid, if that guy used a pick, what it would sound like. Um, you know, so, yeah, same thing with Cliff and, and Geezer. You know, Geezer, a little softer, a little subtle. But you you, you felt you felt that bottom end when you listened to a Sabbath record. And, and bringing it to that, um, Black Sabbath Volume 4 is yeah. on my list here. And uh, that was, it's not my favorite Sabbath record. But that record was the first Sabbath record I ever heard, and Supernaut was the first Sabbath song I ever heard, and it completely mm. blew me away. It's another... was on vinyl. I, I bought it used the used vinyl. I saw the cover. I'm like, oh wow, this is a cool cover. It's different. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a simple cover, but I was like, this looks kind of cool. And I didn't know. I knew Ozzy Osbourne, but back then I didn't know. I was a young kid. And I didn't know Ozzy Osbourne was in Black Sabbath. Mm. And um, I put that on, and I just threw the needle on and Supernaut, and I was like, holy shit! I was like, <laughs> yeah. Listen to that. Hearing, hearing Geezer just. I mean. The slides he's doing and the hammer, it was like wow. I mean, it blew my mind away, and um, and that was my introduction to Sabbath was that record, hence being influential. Yeah, that's an underrated album, man. That really is an underrated album. And it's it, a great record. I love yeah. the record. I mean, there are a few songs on there I could probably do without. Yeah. Um, personal preference, but ninety percent of the records, you know, is awesome. And uh, my favorite Sabbath record is Master of Reality. Yeah, but you know, as far as influential goes, and and really opening up my my eyes and my my brain, it, it's it's volume four. Yeah, Geezer's lyrics on Master Reality are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. And again, as a, as a bassist and a lyricist, you know, I write yeah. a lot of the lyrics of Middle Allegiance. You know, I, I, you know, I'm tuned in on that, and I always looked at his lyrical content. You know, and a lot of people don't know he writes all the lyrics. Everyone right. thinks it's Ozzy. Yeah. You know, Geezer, Geezer is the main lyricist in Sabbath, and um, some dark and twisted stuff in that man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Um, people think it's satanic, but it's not at all. <laughs> it's more. No, he's, he's as Catholic Christian as they come. Yes. Okay, so next you got you picked some pretty good ones. Um, which are going to be hard to top. Yeah. Well, now I, it gets modernized a little bit. Mm. Um, and I'll go with the thrash stuff. Um, Master of Puppets is mm. my favorite record of all time. <laughs> Hands down, my favorite record of all, you know, top five favorite, most influential, everything for me. Um, everything on that record is, again, in, in the metal world, world is pure perfection. 
uh, Cliff. I mean, there's a, a freaking bass solo on, on the yes. record. And, and this is twofold. Again, I have number one and number two is Master of Puppets and Kill 'em All. Right. Um, and that's Kill 'em All is on my list as well. So we, I guess we could talk about them together. You know, um, not a lot of bands had a bass solo as a track. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Master of Puppets, they turned that bass solo into a into a full fledged song, and it's a masterpiece with Orion and you know Damaging Master of Puppets, Battery, Leopard Messiah. You know, the thing that should not be. I mean, all these songs are just it blew my mind away, and you know that record is what made me fall in love with thrash metal, and made me go back to you know seek out other thrash metal records, hence Kill 'Em All, which. I absolutely love, and that's number two on my list here. Um, again, you know, metal militia, and you know, I just, I always found found myself, you know, I love all kinds of music, everything from blues to classic rock, southern rock, you know, Motown, jazz. I, I love it all, but thrash is always where I kind of just found myself fitting in, uh, not only listening to but playing. Well, Master of Puppets, they also became more socially conscious in their lyrics too. Um, I don't know if yeah. because they started maybe getting away from some of that old stuff that had, uh, you know, that was great and it had Dave Mustaine's influence, but um, they they were evolving, maturing, you know. Um, even though I like yeah, Kill 'Em All a lot too, they were maturing. Yeah, well, Kill 'Em All was you know headbanger, heavy yeah. metal. You know, we're teenagers, we're you know, you know whiplash and. <laughs> You know, metal, you know, yeah, which is awesome, and I love it. Yep. But master, listen to some of those. Listen to the lyrics of Battery. Yep. You know, listen to the lyrics of Master Puppets. I mean, mm-hmm. they're brilliant lyrics, brilliant words, and I think that's where James really found himself as a as a as a musician. That was number five. Yeah, yeah. and keeping in the Bay Area, uh, Bonded by Blood by Exodus. Wow, that's um, a, that's an oldie that no one seems to mention. But it, yeah, but if you're uh, mentioning have, thrash, that's yeah. I got my first pressing on Combat Records. Uh, you know, I got that record. Um, you know, again, top to bottom, probably, you know, top three, one of the greatest metal records in my opinion written. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, last year to, you know, Gary Holt asked me to play bass on a mini Exodus reunion during a Metal Legion set where he, you know, Rick Hunol came back in uh, and reunited with Gary Hall, Tom Hunting on drums, that's vocals and me on bass. And we did a three-song set and he asked me if I knew the material and I was like, yep. <laughs> know it. Know it well. And um, it was awesome. We did three songs off of Bonded by Blood and I actually brought my first pressing of Bonded by Blood to, the Bay, to San Francisco um, and I had the guy sign it for me, which is awesome, which I don't do a lot I never ask my peers for their autographs, mm-hmm. but I, this that, that record meant a lot to me as a kid, um, and to, even still to this day, it's the reason why I do what I do and playing in a thrash band and playing metal and whatnot. So, um, you know, I kind of felt weird. I was in a dressing room, and I was like, "Hey guys, would you mind signing this for me?" <laughs> and uh, they all were like, "Like, you know, they were honored for, to, to sign it, which was pretty awesome." Did you? Um think of buying that record because Hammett used to be in the band or did you just hear about it so much? Didn't even know he was in the band when mm. I got the record. I had no clue until mm. later years that Kirk Hammett was an Exodus. Mm. You know, um, we weren't pretty, you know, again, 3, 000, I was, I'm 3,000 miles away from that scene. And right. Obviously younger. 
and definitely the younger generation. You know, I'm not their age. So those things that those guys knew or know, I didn't know. Um, you know, it's, I didn't get that record until 10 years after release. Um, and Metallica was already, you know, huge. And, uh, and, and it, those back then, you really didn't know that. And we didn't have social media. We didn't have any of that no. stuff. You know, the only way you would know, know that was word of mouth or reading it in a magazine. Yeah, a little, so, the fans I, I didn't know. Yep. So that's number six. Number seven is? Seven would be Pearl Jam's 10. Ah, so we're going into grunge now. That's cool. Um, reason being for that one is in 19, you know, early 90s was 92, 93, um, seeing the video for Jeremy uh-huh. on TV. It was a different form of music. It was different. Everything about it was different. And then, but again, I, and I still have my first pressing of 10 uh, on vinyl. And... Um, you know, even flow and once why go even to the melodic stuff of uh, release or, or, or black on those records. It's just something about that record encapsulated me, and uh, I got really you know I loved it. You know, uh, I loved the first three Pro Jam records. After those first three, I kind of you know they kind of lost me mm-hmm. um, and lost my ear. But you know that ten record really put me on a path of you know forming a band. You know that record made me want to get into a band, not so much. You know, obviously playing bass and whatnot, which I've done, but it made me want to, you know, be in this band with friends or peers and, you know, open up that garage and, and crank it as loud as I can. So, um, yeah, it's, as far as influence goes, it's, you know, extremely influential. Did you um, ever pick up a album by Mother Love Bone? Uh, I love Mother Love Bone. I actually, yeah. if you ask me now, I love Mother Love Bone, uh, that record probably more than Pro Jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and but again, as far as the influence goes and opening up my eyes, you know, that 10 definitely okay. So, number eight would be keeping it in that genre is uh, Dirt by Alice in Chains. Ah, now again, I wouldn't consider them grunge, I don't consider any of these bands grunge, but Alice, um. I heard of Alice in Chains because of Swire and Megadeth. They were on a Clash of the Titans tour, um, oh. Swire, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Alice in Chains opened that tour. And Alice was, you know, baby band. Nobody knew who they were. And uh, this is before Dirt came out. And then when Dirt came out, that record is again probably a close, perfect record as far as songwriting and musicianship goes. To and what really caught me with Alice in Chains is how to write a really good chorus because uh-huh. <laughs> they know how to do it. Um, if you listen to the choruses and a lot of the songs in that record, wide open and, and it just kind of sank into me. Um, you know, Rain When I Die in particular. Did 
of that song um, really, really struck a nerve with me. And of course, you know, Wood and them, you know, them Bones and a lot of the other songs on that record. But uh, Rain When I Die really opened it up. And to me, that record top to bottom is that there's not a bad song on it. Yeah, grunge was a mainstream term, and it's kind of uh, weird because this was just, uh, if you want to call it grunge, all those bands were very heavy, and it was just sort of a natural evolution, really. Um, and it was also kind of getting away from the hair bands, you know, like the anti-image <laughs> kind yeah. of thing, which I kind of dig, you know. Because um, these, band, these bands were hair bands. Like Mother Upbone was a hair band. If you look at the way they dressed yes. and played in the 80s, they were a hair band. Same thing with Alice in Chains. Look at Jerry Cantrell's hair in the 80s. It's yes. hysterical. Yeah, and they came up. They were in the middle of it. They just broke away from it. They just decided one day, you know what? Screw this. We're putting on a flannel. (laughs) uh, We want to be comfortable. It wasn't wasn't a fashion statement. It was we want to be comfortable. Yes. And this is where things get different now. So skipping across the pond again and going back into the 70s, for my last two, it would be uh, the the Who's Tommy. Mm. Uh, Tommy. That's I saw the original, uh, well, the Broadway musical Tommy in New York City uh, back in the early 90s. And um, I remember I didn't want to go. <laughs> I was forced to go. I didn't want to go. Um, and I went. I was like, ah, no one wants to listen. No one wants to see this. No one wants to go to a Broadway show. I was totally against all that. Um, but I went, obviously, I went. I was a kid. And it blew my freaking mind away. Um, and I was like, wow, this is real music? Who's the band that created this? <laughs> you know, the songs were, were mind-blowing. And uh, I still have the playbill mm. from that from my kid. I kept it. And uh, and that day, it was an, it was an afternoon show uh, that we went to in Manhattan. And that evening after the show, I, ran, I literally ran to the record store and, and bought Tommy. And um, again, opened up. it just opened me up to production, songwriting, um, telling a story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tom was a concept record, and it, to- it told an amazing story. And and it, it, I remember when that movie Almost Famous came out, and there was that the the sister left the brother her records, and she wrote "Light a candle, put this on, it'll change your world" or something. And that's what I that's kind of what it did to me when I was a kid when I first heard it. Completely changed my world. And I, I heard Tommy well before I heard. Um, you know, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Metallica, mm-hmm. so those records I named earlier, Tommy was really my Gateway. introductory right. into all this. Right. You know, uh, because of going to that point, I'm, I'm glad I went. And, you know, my last pick, um, as far as influences go, is uh, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, mm-hmm. Rumors record. Um, my mom, she passed away this past October. Oh, sorry to hear that. She, she was a huge Fleetwood Mac fan, mm. huge. So literally from the day I was born. <laughs> you heard it. That record was playing in the car, <laughs> at home, nonstop. I must have heard that record a million times. And, uh, and after a while, you get sick of it. But again, it really exposed me to music. It exposed me. That record, Rumors, really exposed me to the music of the 70s. Uh, it, it opened up my eyes and um, to again, you know, Stephen Nicks, who I love, and yeah. um, and I have my mom's version of that vinyl, which she gave me. Oh, that's um, cool. Years ago. Yeah, that's very so, cool. Um, yeah, so rumors uh, again, not a favorite record of right. mine. I love the record; it's not a favorite, but 
it's influential in the fact that I was exposed to that record, which, you know, a curious kid, you start doing research and you start going back and it really opened me up. So between, between Rumors and, and Tommy, those records really opened it up for me and it really kind of paved my way. Did you always like, um, when you were buying records, did the album art or little extras like, like the gatefold and stuff like that, did that go into you yeah. uh, pick up the album? That's why, that's why I got Iron Maiden. Ah. <laughs> you know, I saw Eddie, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, no idea what it sounded like. Loved it. Done. Hooked, you know, all the, all these records. Right. Bonded by Blood, too. I saw the Bonded by Blood record cover. I was like, what in the world is this? And he says, Siamese devil twin baby. What is this, bleeding? <laughs> I'm like, this is great. And um, and not only did the record covers uh get me the same thing with Sabbath Volume Force. The reason why I bought it is because of the simplicity of that record cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, you know, as a kid, I would draw them. You would draw the band logos. You would draw the record com- the cover. Right. You would open up the art. You would read all the linear notes. You'd read the thank you. You'd read every freaking word on that. Um, of course, listening to it as well. So, I mean, and that's, I pride myself even to this day. Album art is critical. And if you look at, you know, in particular, the BPMD record coming out and the detail. Mm-hmm. That cover, um, and you look at the last Metal Allegiance record. That cover, I'm very, very in tune to, to album art, and I want to be able to present the best possible cover that we can. That's pertaining to the music, of course. And what's great if you flip the BPMD album over, you have that great homage to the uh, Van Halen yeah. um, "Women and Children First, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Portnoy was wearing that shirt the day of the photo shoot, and the photographer just said, well, we should just try doing that. And he pointed to Mike's shirt. We all looked at it, got in a pose, took the photo, and a minute later, we were done. <laughs> Literally, that took about a minute and a half to do. And aren't you the one wearing the James Gang shirt? <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing a Joe Walsh t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, yep. and... Uh, and we had fun with that photo shoot, but everything we do, man, you know, we're all fans uh, of this. And yeah, you know, as far as vinyl is concerned, I never stopped. I, mm-hmm. I never um, went away from it. I never, you know, traded it in or sold my vinyl. Um, I've always, you know, just, they've been with me since you know day one, and since the day I was born. I've been listening to vinyl and playing vinyl and obviously buying vinyl. Um, you know, you know, it's, I can't wait to get back into a damn record store. It's ki- actually killing me. I know that I can't go in um, because I love going to the record store. I'm just getting lost in it and getting lost in the music and looking and, and going through those bins and and um, you know, and I couldn't tell you how many times I bought the same record once, <laughs> twice, and three times, not realizing shit. I have this already. What am I doing? <laughs> I've done that plenty of times too. Well, man. <laughs> Well, you are a atypical goldmine reader, liking all genres, loving vinyl, and loving record stores. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. I've done it a bunch, and I've probably done it more so with uh, Leonard Skinner, to be honest with you. Mm. You know, I I bought the uh, the live record uh, one more from the road. I bought that live record three times. And I don't know what the hell I was thinking because I listened to it regularly. And <laughs> yeah, so I have three of them. Well, it's funny because I've done that too. And I found out uh, it's like serendipity that some of the later albums were in better condition. So I just, <laughs> you well, know, you know, 
for uh, this past Christmas, um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I was Christmas shopping and I found an original first pressing of uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass, which yeah. is my list. You know, I have a list I keep uh, of records I'm in search for. And, you know, you could do the Discogs thing or whatnot, but I like to, I'm all about the hunt and going to record stores mm-hmm. and actually finding it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a challenge to me. Mm-hmm. So I found that during this past Christmas. And I have the reissue, the box, the, the box set reissue, which I've had. Uh, but to find the original pressing of that, that that was in good condition because if you remember, that is um, it's in a box. Yes. And it's very delicate, extremely delicate. Yes. And, um, and it was all intact and it was beautiful. So, you know, I, I, I bought that, and um, which I just spoke about in this trivia thing I did with Napalm. As I found the first pressing of uh, Skinner Street Survivors, where they were on fire. Mm. Um, so I recently just got that too. And I know these are all you know. You could find them on eBay. You could go in Discogs. You could go here. Uh, but again, I'm. I try not to do that. I, I I like to enjoy the hunt of you know finding a different record store, whether whatever state I'm in or wherever I'm at. Right. Seeing if I can find it. I agree. I'm the same way. And sometimes you'll find a record, especially if it's in the early 70s, late 60s, and we'll have someone's name on it. <laughs> because yeah, I got a few of those. I got quite a few of those. They were so worried. I guess they would take them to parties or whatever or lend them and worried that someone would claim it as their own, so they wrote their names on it. <laughs> yeah, I have quite a few records with their people's names written in. And let me tell you, those records could tell a story. Yes, they could. You know, and um, where was that... Where? has that record been and who's played it and did it and, right. you, know, you know and that's what another reason why i love vinyl it's you know digital music and it's good don't get me wrong yeah but it's not the same um even cds it's, it's just not the same i don't even own a cd player yep. anymore um it was know, mostly so. for convenience really um and the fact that it's a shame that a whole generation kind of grew up with itunes in the sense that the Art, the album art was only like this little small thumbnail. I know, man. It sucks. Yes. And you didn't even know you could download an entire, like I remember when I was first turned on to the band Muse, I downloaded it from um, iTunes and I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know the name of any of the players. (laughs) I don't, I don't know who engineered this or who, who was the producer or anything, man. I, I, I didn't even know really, I couldn't even tell out the album co- cover really, and they have great album art, so it, it, it can really suck that way. You need to know as much as you can about the band or uh, clues that the band's leaving, like what they leave out or what they put in. Um, well, I think that's one of the reasons why you don't have, and dare I say this, quote-unquote, rock stars today. Right. Um, no one knows who's in a freaking band. <laughs> nah, you're right. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. And no one knows, you know. You know, you, if you think about it, Slash, Joe Walsh, yeah, Billy Gibbons, Jimmy Page, Keith Richards, you know, Roger Waters, etc. You know, Hetfield, Kirk Hammett, Mustaine. You know, the list goes on and on and on. But this is all music of old. You know, who are the who are those new guys? Yeah, I honestly can't answer that question. Yes, it's too bad, man. But yeah. albums are coming back. So, I mean, do you buy the? Um, do you buy the new newly pressed 180 gram albums? Yeah. Or? If if a new if a band's releasing a new record, of course I have yeah. quite a few, um, even reissues. Yeah, you know, like 
you know, I bought the the, uh, the White Album uh, Escher demos that yeah, bought the Lux box. Set. It's fun, man. I I dig it. Yeah, I like uh, both. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm both. I yeah. love to find the first pressings, though. Like I said, I have a list, um, and still number one on that list is first pressing of uh, Pet Sounds. Yes, and uh, which I have not found that yet. I've seen it online, um, and I've been tempted many times to buy it online, but. I just I I know I'm gonna find it one of these days in the store. <laughs> Have you ever come across a butcher cover of Yesterday and Today, The Beatles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have one. Oh, you do? Okay. No, no. I have a pretty big Beatles LP collection. Yeah. Um, seven from singles to you know to various you know mono versus stereo and the box sets and reissues and and this and that and into the solo records too. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know Beatles. You know, it was one of my, you know, again, top five. And uh, a huge Beatle collection, huge Metallica collection, huge Maiden collection, as far as quantity of albums within those those bands. Well, I'll leave it with this. How about if Abbey Road Art came out today, all of that mystique in it would be lost. <laughs> oh, they wouldn't even know what the hell to do with that. Uh, what is it? So, who are these four morons walking on a road? And why isn't that guy wearing shoes? Yeah. <laughs> Or they yeah. couldn't see it. They couldn't. It'd be a thumbnail. So yeah. it'd be like a. It's just like an afterthought, you know. Yeah. Oh, this imagine little thumbnail the White Album being released today. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, that's that's why I think that there is there was such a kickback to digital that people either a missed all this or um, a younger generation discovered it and said, "Wow, this is cooler than you know getting this uh, Ghost in the Machine." This MP3, yep. you know, but yeah, yeah, I, know. Sure. I, I think it will continue, um, you know, judging by my readers and just uh, their enthusiasm for it. So it's more than just the sound. It's the collectability of it. It's the tangible feel of it. You know what I mean? So, well, you know, as a bass player, when you listen to vinyl, it's warmer. I, I agree. Feel, you hear more of the bass. I was going to mention the who on vinyl yeah. is amazing <laughs> it's absolutely amazing yes again tommy it blew my mind you know as a kid you know is it a favorite record of mine right now no but let me tell you that record freaking opened up the damn door for me yeah <laughs> um and you know that and live at leeds is too you know oh. i love live records yes I probably like live records more than i like studio records yep um, you know, Live at Leeds, you know, Skinner's, you know, One More From The Road, Live After Death, and I could go on, you mm-hmm. know, this amazing live records, you know, Aerosmith live bootleg record I love, you know, and, you know, as easy tops line, it just, I love the energy of a live record, and you really hear the instrumentation on the vinyl, which is important for me. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I love it when, you know, I talk to someone that's into vinyl. Not all musicians are, man. They, they, um... I guess it's because of convenience. They they don't keep their vinyl or they, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but it's always yeah, great to talk I, to someone who's into it. You know, and as a musician, man, you know, especially now, you know, especially being a vinyl uh, freak that I am, you know, to see the music you created on vinyl, to get, to, you know, to get that copy and you hold it yeah. in your hands, it, to me, it blows my mind away. It takes me back to going, shit, man, I never thought this was possible. <laughs> I love yeah. the extras too. Now you know with reissues, the 
B-sides, the takes. The uh, I, I love when bands now will put out like, say, a little 45. Even even back then, I, as I used to collect all the Maiden 45s. I, I oh, would, yeah. you know, that was unique to do back then, to put out this separate, you know, 45 e- or an EP, um, even live stuff like Made in Japan. I mean, they, they really uh, did a great job of doing all these little extras. Well, they, they were the king, and they still are the kings of the artwork. Yes. By far the kings. There's You name a band that could do it any better than them. What's... And they knew that. They knew they had something with Eddie. Oh, yeah. they, knew they, could be, they, they knew they could do a different cover for every song. It adds to the collectability, and hey, it was your entry yeah. point into becoming a fan with them. You bought the album yeah. because of its album art, um, and which Absolutely. is which says a lot. <laughs> but thanks so much, Mark, for taking the time, yeah. man. Yeah, no, pro- no problem, man. Thanks, Mark. Remember to check out the album American Made by BPMD, a fun album of covers from U.S. rock music, classic rock, that is, in the 70s and made a little heavier and more contemporary. Don't forget to go to goldmymag.com for exclusive content, contests, and sign up for our free newsletter every week. And please subscribe to the print magazine. Get 68% off if you go to goldmymag.com. Just click on the subscribe button in the upper right corner. Okay, we'll catch you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. This is editor Pat Prince signing off. Cheers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.